Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, the great Mary Gamba in the house. Hey, Mary, we're going to kick off a show with a terrific leader that I've been working with over at uh, Valley Bank um, in our Leadership Academy. Why don't you introduce uh, Tammy? Yeah, it would be my honor and pleasure. So uh, today we have joining us Tammy Garns Mata, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Valley Bank. Tammy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tammy, I'm not just fishing for a compliment. How great has the Leadership Academy been that Stand and Deliver is, Mary, you're shaking your head. I'm picturing the rod going out and you're <laughs> How much fun has it been? Oh, it's been awesome. I think, you know, just to, you know, you, you have the added benefit of us being in person. We haven't done that in so long. So even getting to have those connections in real time and, um, we are a really good group. I mean, folks were talking about how we were laughing so much in there. Uh, folks are a little jealous around the office. So we're having a good time. Yeah. And for those, by way of background, we, Mary and I, our company stands delivered, does leadership development uh, for a range of organizations. And, and Valley is uh, one of our terrific clients and partners. And check out Ira Robbins' uh, previous edition of Lessons in Leadership, Yvonne, on the team at HR as well, on, on Lessons in Leadership. Tanner, let me ask you, your and I asked you this in the group, but I in the seminar, but I'm gonna ask you this on air. Your approach to leadership, largely in, influenced by whom and what? Uh, really influenced by my parents. Uh, you know, my mom and dad emigrated to the United States in the 1960s, and they were able to navigate, you know, a very unfamiliar environment um, and to build community. And I think the way that they do that and why their connections with others are so authentic and real is because they were A themselves. And B, they led with humility um, and understanding that there is something to be learned from everyone. So they're two very highly intelligent people, very driven, um, hardworking, ambitious, um, but they never forgot the people side of it. They were always able to empathize with others and lead with kindness. And I try to do the same in my day to day, you know, to understand that somebody is having a very different experience than what mine is in that current space and what it has been. And to try to get to the bottom of that so that we can work together um, in a really positive way. Now folks are sometimes motivated, like how can we be the most efficient? And it's a little bit more than that, right? When you have different solutions that you have to come up with, the variety of perspectives that you can get in the room make that solution so much better. And so you can't get to those perspectives if you're not leading with your, if you're not yourself leading with humility and understanding that everybody has something to offer and there's something that you can learn from every single person. Well said, before Mary jumps in, connect diversity and inclusion to leadership, please. Sure, so, you know, there is, um, I think, you know, in the past, what you've, you've seen in um, corporate America and even some private institutions as well, or, or nonprofit uh, institutions, is this idea that a leader kind of sets a specific directive and a specific tone and everybody has to align themselves to that. Um, so it's kind of my way or the highway. Um, now we've come to see that there are so many different types of leadership, um, but if they're centered in this, this idea that we want to include as many perspectives as we can, we want to include, have, have different lenses looking at the same problem so that we can come up with a solution that is holistic. Um, and a leader who is dominating and saying it has to be done, you know, in a certain way, can't get to that. That leader can't create the psychological safety that's needed 
to have people shout out the big ideas, to have people point out when you're going in the wrong direction. Um, and so inclusion is a big part of that. It's almost, you know, you, you fill it up like a bank, right? To understand that I see you for who you are. I value that you walk the world or navigate the world in a different way than I do. Um, and I want you to bring that lens into work every day so that we're also thinking of uh, people other than ourselves. Well said, and in this way as well, I would argue that our team at Lessons in Leadership is stronger because it's a more diverse team than other teams that I've been a part of or have led, but it has to be intentional. It has, you have to decide that you're not checking off the box and saying, we need to have more diversity. No, it's because it makes the team better and it's right. part of the culture. Mary, jump in. Yeah, sure. And Tammy, I would love to get your perspective in terms of diversity and inclusion. And as you were just talking about creating a culture where everyone does feel like their voice is being heard. And how does that fit into the great resignation? We have all been talking about it for two plus years. Our organization has been impacted by it. Have you found that that almost helps as a buffer, as a, a safety net by showing that you're team at Valley Bank truly embraces diversity and inclusion. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, I think what we've learned, you know, I, I think the kind of the great resignation and the, the pandemic are going hand in hand, right? Um, we as a society through this pandemic, we've, we've gone through this trauma together um, and we've learned to adapt and work in very different ways, right? So we, you know, right now you, you can use a Zoom lens and, and go into someone's home in order to conduct business, right? right? <clears throat> so we ask people to let to let them in or to let us in. Um, when you think about kind of diversity and inclusion, um, diversity and inclusion really helps you connect to your purpose. And that's what we've learned um, over these past few, three years, few years that you have to be connected to what you're spending your time doing. Time is precious. And we had a lot of it during the pandemic, we were all home, um, but you wanna be doing something that's connecting you more with what you care about and whether that's family or friends or whether that's a certain cause. Um, and so I think the workplace is changing in that people want greater flexibility and it's not necessarily the location. That's not the only thing, that's where people go to first but they want the flexibility in terms of determining their careers and right. what they do on a day-to-day. -day. They want to be able to find some place where they can grow and where they know that their company sees them for who they are and see what they can be. I think that's the big missing piece is that often you have managers who say like, I have a great team and I want this team to stay exactly the same way because <laughs> we're rocking and rolling. And employees aren't gonna stand for that. They really wanna be able to grow and have that flexibility and that, that autonomy and mobility. So I think the, the great resignation has a lot to teach, um, you know, and that if we look at it from a space that where we can learn from it versus, oh my God, what are we gonna do? I think we can really advance what the workplace looks like on so many levels. You know, Tammy, the other, as I'm listening to you right now, I'm thinking about this. When I first met you in the Valley Leadership Academy, one of the first things that struck me was your energy, your enthusiasm, your positivity, and frankly, in all candor, what I perceive to be your ambition. You have ambition. Absolutely. And, and you don't shy away from that as if it's some sort of, wow, people, I love when people try to act like, well, I'm not very ambitious. Like being ambitious is a negative. Your ambition is part of your leadership portfolio. Your desire to grow and be better and have a bigger portfolio and more responsibility. Please talk about it. Sure. You know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned, you know, over the course of my career is that 
I want to be a lifelong learn a learner. I want to be able to grow and have new challenges and work with new people. Um, and, you know, I realize that if I'm, I'm very upfront about that, um, to say like somebody on my team should be able to say, I want your job someday without me feeling like they're taking something from me because I may not be in this job. Hopefully I'm doing something else as well, right? That there'll be more room for others. So I don't have that same kind of ownership that I have to do exactly what I'm doing, you know, do this and this belongs to me. We're all working together as a team to make Valley better and to serve our, our, our clients and our customers and our communities. And we can't do that if we're solely focused on what we're doing today without looking at what's going to happen tomorrow. So, you know, when I think about being ambitious, it's more, I don't like to be bored. Right? I don't want to come in and just kind of, you know, get through my day and, you know, I, and, and leave the work, the work behind. It's really more of a learn, learning and growth opportunity for me. And, and when I run out of those, um, it's not a pretty situation. <laughs> you, you, I will tell you that, and again, you are type A. I think I'm type A. I know Mary Gamba is type A. But it's interesting when you, when you work with other people who just say, I'm not ambitious. I don't really want to do other than what I'm doing right now that's tough. That's tough to be the best you can be when someone says, can I just stay in this little, no, it can't because the world's moving too quickly. I'm off my soapbox. Tammy, uh, I love having you on here. We appreciate you being on Lesson and Leadership. Go back and look at uh, our website and all the previous, from all the previous leaders at Valley that will join us, one of our longtime partners with this series that we would not be in this game if we're not for Valley. Tammy, I'll see you soon in the Leadership Academy. Thanks so much. You're welcome. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye, Mary. Stay there. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, Veolia, Resourcing the World, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine. CIANJ and Commerce Magazine. Construction companies work at the heart of our communities. So do the operating engineers of Local 825, who build our roads and bridges and ensure the safe transmission of energy that keeps us on the move. Local 825 works with contractors as partners in quality, safety, and training. Our achievements stand as monuments to collaboration that will last for generations. This message has been brought to you by the members of Operating Engineers Local 825. Better building begins here. Most people don't think about where their water comes from. But we do. Veolia. More than water. Resourcing the world. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. And uh, here we are again, Steve, just another great day, another uh, great lineup of guests today. How are you doing? Uh, listen, I'm great. And the fact that you are 
taking charge and leading the production is even better. Go ahead. It is better. I mean, we had our 100th episode that we taped earlier today. So it's about time that you let me kick off the interview. So I'm very happy to do so. I am honored to be joined here with you, Steve, today with Brendan Gill, CEO and president of the B. Gill Group, and Alexin Kajazos, senior partner at the B. Gill Group. Thank you so much both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you Great. Let's get this out of the way, I'm going to sit back. No, no, hold on. No, just let's get this out of the way. Um, the two of you are working in the same office, correct? Correct. At the B. Gill correct. Group, correct, friend? Is that correct? Alex, is that correct? And you yes. also live in the same home. That's right. Alex, would you like to clarify that so that people understand? So we are married. Oh, you so you admit to... that. <laughs> so we are married, despite the last names. So we are married. We've been married for uh, 12 years have two children, have a company, but we work, um, but we have a different office. We have an office uh, in Montclair, and then we have our different offices. We have a workspace and we have two different offices in our office space. And it makes all the difference in the world. Why is that that it makes all the difference in the world? To work from home or to work? Uh, because I've asked my wife a couple of times, she's very talented in her field. And I said, Jen, we could potentially work together. And, and she stopped me and she said, do you want us to remain married or do you want me to work with you? Mary, you're laughing. Um, but the two of you have gotten it right. And that has a lot to do with leadership and negotiation skills, does it not, Alexon? It does. I mean, the, one of the first things that we, uh, when we started this company is uh, I suggested that we needed to get our own space, a physical space outside our home because we did work together for about two years, we were doing different things, but when we actually decided that this was going to go, we were going to take this to the next level. My first negotiating piece is that we did need to have a complete different space that, uh, whether it was small or not, that we both needed to get out of our house to go to a different place and do businesses there. And it was a risk, not necessarily risky, but it was a business decision. And we were really in early in the process, didn't know what this was going to mean so it was a financial decision as well but we just mm. we did we just went for it and it's and brendan sorry to interrupt you brendan uh, do you want to jump in tell us what the b gill group is um for our viewers that may not be familiar with what the b uh, gill group is uh, put up the website as well of course. Does that. Uh, we uh we're a full service uh, public affairs and digital media uh, firm uh, we service uh, clients both in the private uh, nonprofit, uh, and public sector uh, for uh, a variety of um, issues, uh, government affairs, government relations, uh, digital media, communication. Uh, we also do work on traditional political campaigns uh, as well uh, for different candidates and causes. So we are, um, again, a public affairs uh, and digital media company that, that services private, uh, public, uh, and nonprofit clients. I'm curious about this for Alex and I first and then uh... Brendan, jump in. The leadership is defined in so many different ways by so many different people. But Alexan, what would you say your strongest leadership trait is? I like to hear people's opinions. In turn, I like to hear different perspectives on issues. So even with our team, I just like to sit down and understand where they're coming from, what they're thinking of. Um, before I make 
my suggestions if that's what it is. So I feel like listening is a really good part of what I do. Even if the idea you're hearing you think is off the wall, you will listen? I do because I do believe that there is always value on people's vision because, again, it's not necessarily the way I see it is not the opinion, but also their perspective is important. So I do believe that there's always value on listening to that. And you may not agree. And there's plenty of times that I don't agree with the, it, you know, the core of that opinion, but it's the value of the perspective, I believe, is important. Now, Mary, did you see Mr. Gill's uh, nonverbal response? <laughs> Uh, when his colleague and partner talked about not agreeing with certain people. Uh, Brent, did you, did you recognize any of that? I, I recognize quite a bit of it, Steve, actually. And um, it's, it's one of the reasons in, in all sincerity that um, I'm very lucky to have been able to work with Alex in a professional capacity, uh, because I think, you know, I think I have um, learned certain leadership traits and skills over the years in the various capacities. I've, I've had the opportunity to to run campaigns and lead large organizations. Uh, Excuse me, including Governor Phil Murphy's, you've been a key part of his political um, ascendance in the state of New Jersey. Pick it up, Brian and Brendan, please. I appreciate that, Steve. But you know, in some of those positions, uh, sometimes what I've learned, uh, Steve and Mary, is that there's leadership positions where someone identifies you to fill a leadership role that's needed within an organization. And Sometimes what it took me, and still every day I'm learning, sometimes that um, individual who's identifying you or organization that's identifying you may, may see a different leadership trait in you than you actually think is your, your strength. <laughs> um, and sometimes you have to listen to, you know, to Alex's point really um, and, and hear what people are asking you to do in order to make sure that um, you're leading and, 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 and putting your best leadership traits to work on behalf of either those organizations um, and individuals. But Alexin and I have a, a good rhythm um, because um, uh, she has she's she makes it a point to tell me when I need to stop talking <laughs> and, uh, and and do more and do more uh, and do more listening. And and that's something that I've um, I don't think I would I've been particularly good at over the course of my career, but I'm trying I try to get better with that each and every day. Can you imagine who other than my wife, who do you think? is the person who tells me either by text or just face-to-face -face or phone enough, back off. Who do you think does that? You mean from the two of us? No, no, on my Maybe? end. Oh, Mary, what, don't, Wait. Mary, stop <laughs> just looking like that. Mary has been- He's talking than, about me, Alex. <laughs> Mary, for, we've been together 22 years. Um, we both have our own respective spouses, but Mary, we are uh, work partners and more than that. You've never held back, Mary, how important is it? Because Alex and Brendan clearly work together and they, how important is, Mary, I know you don't like when I just pull a book up, radical candor. Uh, we're radically candid with each other because? Uh, because candor is so important. If you're not open with the people around you and the people that you respect, I think oftentimes as leaders, you're afraid to say something, you're afraid to give feedback that may be difficult to hear, but you need to view that feedback as a gift, just as it's intended to be. If not, you'll end up bottling it up. If you do something that offends me or 
turns me off in a certain way, I'll say, Steve, just take a step back and see it from my perspective. Here is where I stand on that. And then, you know, you may not agree completely. I may not agree completely, but at least then we've meet, we've reached level ground at that point. So it's really important to be candid. And unfortunately, I don't have a filter. So, uh, but that's worked out very well in our business relationship because we're both very open with one another. I think Allison just mouthed the word good. When you said I have no filter, it's like, good, Mary, pick good. it up. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I want to talk about is, uh, Brendan, uh, you were talking a lot about the the leadership traits and Alex and you were talking about it as well. Alex, and I would love to get a sense from you. Do you believe that leaders are born leaders or is it something that can be taught? Uh, I'd be really interested in your perspective on that. People have some qualities are innate equality, you know, qualities, but at the same time, you do learn. These things can be taught. You can definitely learn. And no, there's definitely room for a lot of learning on that end. No, absolutely. That's great. Brendan? I, no, I agree. I mean, I think leadership uh, qualities can be absolutely taught. I think um, Alex and Greg, certain people have a certain there, there are certain types of attributes that sometimes, you know, draw people towards other people in terms of, um, you know, their presence in a room or how they publicly speak or, um, you know, how they negotiate um, conflict. Uh, but a lot of the attributes that I think, um, you know, make a successful leader um, and is uh, are determined by the metrics that you uh, want your leadership qualities to be defined by. What do I mean when I say that? I, I I think you know true leadership comes from people that um, have a sense of how they want to be evaluated as a leader and how they're measuring up what they laid out. So because you can be a lousy, you can be a lousy. We've we've all had bosses over the you know you can have a bad boss that has other attributes. So people kind of gloss over all these you know the fact that he that he or she is not a good leader um, uh, as a result of maybe a friendship or something else, but. Um, ultimately, um, what I think you can, you can learn certain traits, you can define the metrics that you want to be evaluated by, and you can work towards those goals. Right. I just want to say it on that end, Mary, to your point, like I think of the two of us since we work together, I think Brendan is, he was a born leader. He has those kind of qualities that no, and he has been. And I see this not only working together over the last, again, we started working with um, Governor Murphy's campaign was the first time that he and I worked together. And then I was able to actually see and work kind of under his leadership. And there are so many things that Brendan just does that are uh, the things that you can't really teach, that he has it. He understands people and has, he understands what the end goal is and he works for it. On my end, in terms of learning, I have learned a lot from Brendan over the last years. I would not consider myself that kind of born leader, but I have definitely learned from a lot of people, but including Brendan, on how to handle certain situations and take control over situations. So yeah, definitely um, a taught lessons. Well, you know what's so interesting is we're doing this live, as you can tell, and when there are technical issues, you have to roll with it. The other thing is that I happen to know as we finish up this segment that Brendan isn't just a natural born leader. He learned leadership in his home. And I would be remiss, and he knows every time I do this, it comes from a certain place. Uh, Brendan's dad, uh, Dan Gill. How many years teaching in the Montclair Public Schools, uh, Brendan? 53. 53. Literally, as we're doing this program, finishing up the school year, just gave the commencement address at Montclair High School. He was our son Nick's teacher for several years. Um, 
at Glenfield uh, School, an extraordinary teacher, a great leader, a role model for many, and Brendan would not be the leader he is uh, without having the parents he has. Um, and, and Dan, not just Brendan, I think about this, I'll get off my soapbox here. I bet he has helped so many other young people be the leaders they can be because of his teaching and because of his commitment to education and those students. Uh, Alexander and Brendan cannot thank you enough for joining us on Lessons in Leadership. That is the B group, excuse me, the B Gill group. The website will be up. Uh, Alexander is heavily into branding. That's what she does. So she will evaluate how effectively have branded this segment after the fact. Thank you, Alison. Thank you, Brendan. Mary and I will finish up Lessons in Leadership right after this. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Mary, I, you just reminded me, talking about giving candid feedback to each other, Radical Candor, the book by Kim Scott in our leadership library. You reminded me, we have not thanked our sponsors, please. We have not done so, and I would be happy to do so. So first, our promotional partners, CIANJ and Commerce Magazine, and NJBIA and New Jersey Business Magazine. And then our uh, underwriters, funders, sponsors that make this possible, Feolia, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, NJ Sharing Network, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, uh, Seton Hall University, and the Bustino Leadership Institute, the North Ward Center, Kessler Foundation, and Delta Dental of New Jersey. We thank you so, so much for your ongoing support. Uh, it makes all of this possible. And where, other than News 12 Plus, where can lessons in leadership be seen? Oof. You can go on our website and find out. Yeah, I would say now. first go to our website, stand-deliver.com. We have free columns up there. You can get information on Steve's books up there. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, nj.com, ROINJ, Audible, iHeartRadio. So pretty much anywhere that podcast can be found. Okay, you done plugging? I am for now. Good. So I showed this in one of the other uh, shows. Mary's like, you got all these props. And I, I like these little things. So um, I want you to respond to this. You have no idea what I'm going to do with this. Nope. Oh, here it came out. Scarlin, you got this? I survived another meeting that should have been an email. Your reaction, please. Oh, it's so funny. Um, I, I have a sibling. I have a sibling that works in an office who has everyday meetings at 9 a.m., whether they need them or not, all hands on deck. And, and I always say to, say to her, I'm like, listen, I'm like, let me come in. Let me explain the reasons why you don't need to have a meeting every day at 9 a.m. The only exception is in law enforcement when you are literally passing a baton from one shift to another or in healthcare when you're passing a baton and you need to give the next shift an update of what has been happening. In a regular office, you do not need to have meetings every day. And especially, not every person needs to be in on every meeting. Why do you believe, and again, this is a big part of our work at Stand and Deliver, our leadership seminars focus on this. We have a heavy, Mary, do you know by memory, the chapter and lessons in leadership on meetings, what's it called? Uh, oh, no, not another meeting. And I believe it's chapter six. <laughs> Look at you. Maybe. Could you bring me a red <laughs> apple, an, an apple? Could you brought that to the teacher every day? That's oh, why. Oh, my goodness. So hold on. Why do you think most organizations, most teams don't even think through the strategic 
rationale for a meeting, no meeting. It should be an email. We just have meetings. That's what we do. Why do you think that is most organizations? It's not even, I think I know. I know most organizations do it because I was at an organization prior to working here that did it is because they feel that if they don't do it, there's no activity, right? And we talk about activity versus impact. So by bringing people physically together into a room, it shows activity. It shows, hey, you know, we've got a flurry of stuff going on and we're bringing everyone together. But the impact, what comes out of that meeting is more essential than how many minutes you're in that meeting you know, even what's on that agenda, you need to make sure that you're clear what the objective is. And more importantly, once that meeting's over, who is going to do what? Because if not, you just wasted everybody's half hour or worse hour if you have these hour long meetings. Scarlin is doing this behind the camera. And this means, Scarlin? Wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> Elvin just said in the chat, what did he say? I, I hate meetings in all caps. That'll be hashtag I hate meetings. It's going to go viral. Yeah, but you got, <laughs> goodbye, I know, goodbye. Uh, I hate meetings, but you love Lessons in Leadership and you love Mary even more. See you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Gregor Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, Veolia, resourcing the world, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by nj.com. NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Construction companies work at the heart of our communities. So do the operating engineers of Local 825, who build our roads and bridges and ensure the safe transmission of energy that keeps us on the move. Local 825 works with contractors as partners in quality, safety, and training. Our achievements stand as monuments to collaboration that will last for generations. This message has been brought to you by the members of Operating Engineers Local 825. Better building begins here.